0: For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us, have, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired the last, the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name's Lockie, and it's a real joy and a privilege to be up here this morning as we explore God's Word together. If you've got your Bibles out, keep them open, keep following with me through this passage. I wonder how you're feeling after hearing that parable that we just read. Maybe some of us are feeling a bit confused, or if you're like me, you're feeling a little bit conflicted. It feels like what we just read was super unfair, right? But somehow Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom of God is like. How can these two things go together? And that's what we're going to explore together this morning. We're going to look at this parable, and we're going to see how it relates to this upside-down kingdom that we've been talking about over the last few weeks and what that means for us. But first, would you join me as I pray? Father, we pray this morning as we go through your word and we explore it together, that you, by your spirit, would help us to understand, help form us to be more like Jesus, uh, to respond to you and your grace towards us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been going through a couple chapters of Matthew's Gospel. This is the depiction of Jesus' life, the description of Jesus' life and teaching, written by one of his close followers, Matthew. And we've been seeing how this kingdom of heaven that Jesus has come to announce is upside down. It's exactly the opposite of how we humans think a kingdom should be. It's a place where we're supposed to forgive anyone who asks us to. Not only once or twice or three times or even seven times, but 77 times. As many times as they ask for it. It's a place where faithful relationships are important, even if they're hard. A place where wealth doesn't mean power. And where those who give up everything are the ones who will receive disproportionate rewards. And it's right on the back of this that Jesus tells the parable we're looking at today. This parable is about, you guessed it, rewards. Now, a quick word about parables. They're a unique kind of literary device. They're stories, they illustrate a main point, but they have a twist near the end. A sting in the tail, as my New Testament lecturer likes to say. Sometimes they're a bit difficult to understand, often because they rely on cultural contexts very different to our own. They use metaphors and illustrations that would have been common and familiar in the 1st century Middle East, but super unfamiliar to 21st century Western contexts like we live in. But despite this, we can understand what they communicate, even if it takes us a bit of time to work through it, which is what we're going to do now. At the beginning of our passage today, in verse 1, Jesus said that this parable reveals something about what the kingdom of heaven is like. He goes on to compare this kingdom of heaven to a landowner who hires some workers to work in his vineyard for the day. It was a pretty normal thing to do back in Jesus' day. Workers who didn't have any fixed or regular work would just hang around the marketplace and hire themselves out to work for a day. And people who owned land, who needed people to come and to work for them, would go to the marketplace and find these people, hire them for the day. And that's exactly what we see happening here. This landowner that Jesus is talking about, he comes to the marketplace early in the morning to find people to hire to come and work in his vineyard for the day. And he agrees to pay them a denarius, which is the normal amount that a day labourer would make in a day. So these workers go off and they get to work. All pretty normal, all pretty standard so far. The landowner goes back at 9am and does the same thing, hiring workers who no one else has hired yet, and he agrees to pay them what's right. Now, these workers would have been expected to be paid a proportion of a denarius based on the proportion of the day that they ended up working. This landowner continues throughout the day, 9am, noon, 3pm, even 5pm, which is pretty late. These guys hired late would only get an hour or so of work in before the end of the day, but they too go off and work in the vineyard for the rest of the day. The end of the day, the landowner calls the foreman and tells him to pay the workers, starting with the last ones and going to the first. And this is where things get interesting. The person who's been paying close attention to Matthew's story so far should feel their ears prick up at this point. Jesus has used this kind of language before. Very recently, in fact. If you've got your Bibles, right at the end of chapter 19, Jesus makes the comment that many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Sounds familiar, hey. And that's the signal for us that we need to start paying close attention. The main point, the climax of the story is coming. And so with our attention grabbed, the story continues. And we're told that the workers who were hired last came and got a denarius. What? A whole denarius for an hour or so's work? <laughs> That's a pretty decent amount of dollars per hour. I wouldn't mind a job that paid like that. And we can imagine what the other workers are thinking, right? They've worked. Those guys worked for one hour and they got a whole denarius. We worked for 12 hours. We're going to be rich but they're mistaken. They come up to the front of the line and they, too, get one denarius. How unfair is that? How would you like it if something similar were to happen to you? Say you've been working in the same company for 20 years, working hard, slowly getting promoted, year after year, slowly getting more responsibility because of your hard work. You've been super intentional about building relationships so that you can work well with the people in your company. You've had late nights, early mornings and then one day the company hires a newly graduated student and within a month they too have been promoted to your level. They get the same pay as you, they have the same responsibilities as you. How would you feel? Would you feel like all of your work over all of those years has been for nothing? It feels pretty unfair, doesn't it? Even though it doesn't really affect you. You still get the same pay as before. You have the same position that you've worked for. You still have the same responsibilities. It changes nothing for you, but it still feels really unfair, doesn't it? We feel like we deserve to receive what we've earned. We should be rewarded for the things that we do, just like those workers felt. If we're not, it feels wrong. But back in our parable, the landowner responds and he reminds these workers that this is what they agreed on, a denarius for a day's work. And it is completely up to him if he wants to be overly and abundantly generous with his money. He even calls them out for the fact that they are envious because he's generous. The landowner has decided to be generous, unfairly generous, not to pay the workers who came later what they've earned, so much more than what they deserve. And then Jesus finishes this parable with the words that we heard just before. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And this, according to Jesus, is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So does that mean when we're living in the kingdom of God, living with God as king, he's like the landowner, and he doesn't pay us for what we've earned? Well, yeah, exactly. But instead of this being something that we should feel frustrated or angry about, it's actually the best news we could possibly hear. Because when we think about it, when we really think about it, what we deserve isn't anything good at all. We've all done things that have been in rebellion against God, We've put other things first where only God should be. We've lived for ourselves. We've ignored the one who created us. We've spurned his love, told him to butt out of our lives. We've chosen to do wrong things to each other as well, to hurt, to insult, to lie. We haven't followed what God's asked us to do, how God's asked us to live. We have rebelled against the king of the universe. And the Bible tells us that the reward for this is death. That's the payment we have earned. That's the reward that we deserve. Death and eternal separation from God. But the good news of the gospel is that God is like the landowner that Jesus has been just talking about. He's unfairly generous. Instead of giving us what we've earned, instead of giving us what we deserve, he's offered us so much more than we could possibly imagine. He's offered us a relationship with himself, with a God who loves us so much that he sent his son to earth to receive the reward that we deserved so that we might get the reward that Jesus deserves. We sinners get to go free. We get to be treated as though we're pure and holy and righteous, while Jesus, the pure and holy and righteous one, is the one punished in our place, punished for something he did nothing to deserve. This is the unfairness of the upside-down kingdom of heaven. It's incredibly unfair, but it's unfair in our favour. Now, if God's the landowner in this parable, that means that we are like the groups of workers which he hires. I wonder which of the workers, which of the groups of workers, you feel like you relate to the most. Those who were hired early or those who came late? Some of us who've grown up Christians or have been Christians for a long time probably feel like we're the workers who were hired in the morning and we've been at it all day slogging away every day. We feel like we've put in the hard yards of trying to say no to the temptations and seductions of the world. We felt like we've had to bear the weight of the judgment from friends, from a society where being a faithful Christian is difficult and awkward. We've given up our Sundays to go to church. We've given up our Friday nights to serve at youth. We've given up another weeknight to go to growth group. We've sacrificed financially so that we've got money to give to the church. And it's been a long, hard road. For those of us who feel like this, who feel like this group of workers, we can find it all too easy to react in the same way that these workers did. We feel like we deserve rewards from God, that we've earned his blessing and his mercy towards us. And we can so easily get bitter when we see him blessing other people who haven't done as much as we have and blessing them in exactly the same way that we get blessed, sometimes even more. Or maybe we feel proud of how much work we've done for him and we look down on the people who we see not working as hard or as much as we. We can even feel envious because God has generosity towards them, just like those workers felt. And for us, This message of God's unfair generosity is a corrective, maybe even a little bit of a rebuke. It helps to remind us that all we have, we have by grace. We could never earn entry into God's kingdom, no matter how much of our money we give away, how many hours we spend serving at church. Our salvation is a gift from a generous God. He's been incredibly generous and gracious towards us, more than we could ever realise. So what right do we have to be envious or upset when he shows others that same generosity and grace? Others of us might feel like those workers who've been standing around all day, who've had nothing to do with this landowner, who've had nothing to do with God, Maybe you believed and went to church when you were younger and then decided Christianity wasn't for you. Maybe you've grown up thinking that it's foolish. No one with even an iota of intelligence could believe something like God. How childish. Maybe you've never even heard about what Christians believe, the message of Jesus and the gospel. And now the end of the day is getting closer. Maybe you're wondering if it's too late. What's the point now? I've stood around all day. I've wasted the prime of my life. I've rejected God and ignored him. How could he ever accept me now, let alone bless me? To those of us who feel like this, just like the workers hired in the late afternoon, the news of God's super abundant, unbelievable, unfair generosity is good news. It's great news, the best news. You too are invited into this upside-down kingdom. You too can receive the abundant grace and blessing that God desires to show you. All you need to do is accept the invitation. There's a story from late in Jesus' life that illustrates this well. When he's hanging on the cross, slowly dying, one of the criminals who's being crucified next to him suddenly realises the truth. The truth that this Jesus doesn't deserve what he's getting. It's unfair. But what this thief is facing, that's fair. And somehow he understands what Jesus' unfair suffering could mean for him. And he shouts across to Jesus on the cross next to him. And he asks him to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. And what does Jesus do? He accepts him. He promises him that even that day after he died, he would be with Jesus in paradise. He would be with Jesus in his kingdom. That thief came right at the end of the day. He brought nothing to the table. But he too was invited. He too was accepted. So like the thief, in the last moments, Come, accept Jesus' invitation and be sure of the fact that you too will be accepted. So if it's true that in the kingdom of heaven, our reward doesn't depend on how much or how long we work, but only on God's abundant generosity, like we see with the parable, like we see with the kingdom of God, how should we then live First, let me tell you how we shouldn't live. If you're anything like me, one of your first thoughts when you hear this incredible news that our work does nothing to earn our reward is to think, ha, amazing, so I don't have to do any work. I can just sit back, laze around, do what I want to do. I'll get the same reward as people who spend the whole day, every waking moment, living for God. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And while you you might not be technically wrong, this parable and these chapters of Matthew's gospel that we've been looking at teaches us that there is more to life in the kingdom than just lazing around. We see that actually we've been invited into this kingdom, invited into this landowner's field to do work, to do work for him. There's an expectation that life in the kingdom will involve kingdom work. Not so that we can earn our reward of entry into the kingdom, but because we have already been invited in. We're working as a response to this generous gift of God. Not so that we might deserve it, but as thanks to Him for giving us something we could never deserve, we could never earn on our own. And we shouldn't be doing this out of a sense of obligation either like this gift or this reward has been a prepayment for our work or that we're now in debt to God and have to work it off slowly over the rest of our lives. No, that's not how this works at all. It should be a joyful response. It should give us great joy to be doing meaningful work for a good master, for a good king. So what kind of work does Jesus expect us to be doing in his vineyard, in his kingdom? Well, thankfully it's not pruning vines 24-7 because I've heard that's a pretty difficult and monotonous job. Work in the upside-down kingdom of heaven means living like Jesus, like he's been showing and telling us to do throughout Matthew's gospel. It means following him. It means spreading the good news that the kingdom of heaven, this upside-down kingdom, has arrived. It means doing the hard work of forgiving people who've hurt us but also of humbling ourselves to ask forgiveness from those that we have hurt. It means working on our relationships, giving up our desires and our rights and putting other people and their needs before our own. It means sacrificing some of the things that our society values, things our society values as most important, fame, wealth, power all for the sake of the gospel, and trusting that this gift our generous God has given to us is worth so much more than all of these things could ever be. It means working hard to kill our sin, to kill our rebellion against God, cutting off our hands and pulling out our eyes when they tempt us away from this kingdom and this king. Now, all of this sounds like pretty hard work, hey, It's not something that's easy. It's not something that you can just tick off your to-do list after a day or a week of trying. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes working hard every day for the rest of your life. But it's good work. It's meaningful work. It's work for a good master who's already given us an unimaginable reward out of his abundant generosity. It's work for a master who promises to come back one day, to come back and make this kingdom way of life the norm over all the earth forever. And it's on that day that our payday will really come. It's on that day when this work will no longer be hard or difficult, but completely joyful So on that day we will find rest from all our toil and our long weekend and our true rest will begin. So while we wait until Jesus returns and brings this upside-down kingdom of heaven to earth completely and finally, let's live as people of that kingdom. Let's not laze about waiting for it. Let's work hard to live lives that reflect what this kingdom is all about. Not so that we'll be rewarded, but in response to God's amazing generosity in freely giving us the gift of relationship with him. Not at all based on how much we've done or how hard we've worked, but entirely based on his abundant grace and generosity and mercy. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father we thank you for the news of your abundant generosity your abundant mercy your abundant grace towards us we recognize that we could never have done anything to earn or deserve the way you've treated us and we thank you for the way that our punishment was put on Jesus and that we receive his reward for faithfulness we pray that you'd be with us you'd help us to accept your grace you'd help us to work joyfully in response to what you've done for us please allow us to find joy in the work we do for you and be with us as we wait for your kingdom to come finally and ultimately on earth we pray this in Jesus name in great thanks and honor and praise to you amen